Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sheep Gishir podcast. I'm your host, Austin Creator. I want to welcome you into the show. My friends, you want to know something really funny? Before we even get into it, I really want to tell you something I thought was funny. So this morning, when I woke up, every morning when I wake up, I immediately start brainstorming ideas on what I want to talk about on the show. What is important, what I think you would most benefit hearing about, what I'm passionate about, what I've written down that I want to talk about, all that good stuff, giving you a little behind the scenes, okay? And this morning I woke up and I said to myself, you know what I haven't talked about that I, in a little while, is potential of World War Three, and arguably we're already in it. We're in the beginning stages because as Sun Tzu wrote, physical warfare was the lowest form of combat and so when you look at the world, just because there, we don't have countries, you know, all around the world at war with each other, you know, with, with a hot war going on, does not mean that we are not already in an economic war with countries. And for more informational warfare isn't going on, cyber warfare isn't going on, all, you know, all these things, drone strikes, which actually happened recently. And these things aren't happening in a vacuum. In fact, people want to equate world war ii to now i don't believe that is the best comparison i believe there's a comparison to be made between world war one and what we're seeing today and we'll we'll go through that a little more as time goes on but it's funny because i thought about this this morning at like 7 seven thirty when i was brainstorming and ideas for the show and then i go to class i come back and i come back and i get on i get on twitter and i look at an Trending on Twitter is World War Three, and I'm like, I was just thinking about this this morning. Having not gone on Twitter before that, I was like, I have a pulse almost going on out here. For me to be brainstorming and preparing this show, and then go on Twitter having no idea what's going on, on Twitter, I literally look and see politics trending World War Three. I was like, you've got to be joking. I have a pulse for this stuff. I, I, I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm just saying I found that to be so ironic because I'd already been preparing for this show. And to prove my point, I really want to jump into why I believe that we are currently already within the shadows of World War III. Is already, we're already in the infancy stage. I mean, let's just look at this, okay? Economic warfare, what is it? Economic warfare, according to Google, is a strategy used by countries to weaken the economy of their adversaries. Remember back in the a couple of years ago when Trump was still in office, we had this trade war with Russia, so, trade war with um, China, so-called. Now we have an embargo of Russia ever since the Ukraine conflict started, which arguably had started back in 2014, but for the know-nothings, we'll pretend like it started a couple of years ago. But let's look at the examples they give. Economic blockades. Yeah, that's how, that's kind of going on. I mean, look, you can look at the so-called meeting that happened between President Xi of China and Biden in San Francisco. That's all smoke and mirrors. If you actually believe that when they shake hands and are like, oh, yes, we have nothing to worry about. We are, our friendship is strong and there is no Cold War. First of all, you ever read The Art of War? by Sun Tzu. Do you have any idea where that was written? Oh, in China. Yes. So if you think that they don't follow his philosophy, you are out of your mind. If you think that all they did was talk business at that meeting 
in, in San Francisco. This is business business. Numbers? Is this working? Yes. Yay! Then you're mistaken. No, absolutely not. That's not what happened at all. Just to go off on a little tangent, you know what I found disgusting about that meeting? Was he had the nerve to put up like Chinese flags or whatnot for the president of China. No American flags, not, that I, not from the pictures I saw. There was no display of, Amer this is America, and we're proud of America. I mean, it was San Francisco. I grew up in that area, not full of patriots. They're full of um, a lot of things, you know, a lot of certain areas are always seem to be full, but it's, it's not the patriot side. Um, but you know what? I digress. Let's get back to this. Trade embargoes. I mean, not having to Russia recently, and that's why their economy is stalling. But this economic warfare is very powerful because it can cripple economies. And when an economy goes bad in a country, historically, what happens next is they go to war. Wartime economy is how they bring everything back. And I'm not making this up. In fact, this is only one of the forms that's been used. Let's go to information. Hacking, spyware, all that kind of stuff. Are we even going to not mention the fact that China owns so much of American farmland? I grew so when, I'll tell you a little personal story. In middle school, I was, what was I, eighth, no, seventh grade. Seventh grade, my parents moved the family to Southeast Asia for a year for missionary work, right? And when I was there, I was a seventh grade kid, didn't really know all that much about the world or anything. But I learned about the Khmer Rouge that happened in Cambodia, and I went to see the killing fields, and I went and I saw the effects of communism. The people who came to do good and did very well indeed for themselves and not really for anybody else. The mountain of, the mountain of human skulls. What the effects of the young have on the older generations and what ideology can do to people. I saw it all firsthand. Now, it took me years to process it because I was a kid. You know, I don't expect kids to always understand what's going on. But it, it's shocking to me when people don't, can't equate, for example, we'll, we'll go into this in a little bit about World War I, but in World War I, it lasted from 1914 to 1918. Towards the end of that was when the Bolshevik Revolution happened in Russia, which then became the Soviet Union. That's when Russia went from being the Russian Federation to becoming the USSR. And it was the Democrat Socialist Labor Party of then Russia that became the Bolshevik Party, who then rebelled and became the Communist Party of Russia. And yet I look at the American system today, uh, people like Bernie Sanders, who talk about being a Democrat Socialist and Workers of the World Unite, and people want to tell me he's not a communist. Oh, hell no! I don't understand how you could be this stupid. I really don't understand it. It's impossible you could be this dumb, but apparently I'm wrong. Well, let's get to the informational warfare aspect of this. I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. So informational warfare, this is all warfare is based on deception. You ever heard that quote before? It first became really, really popular in the modern warfare games from Call of Duty, but it came from Sun Tzu. Sun Tzu wrote that, again, a war philosopher in China who wrote about this idea of using information and communication as a competitive advantage against your opponent. In other words, information, the battle is won before the battle ever begins. The war is won before the battle starts. 
You don't just show up to the battlefield hoping to win. Because if you're doing that, you've already lost. You need to show up prepared. Show up knowing exactly what you're going to do. Because then you've already won. You can't show up hoping to win. Because then you've already lost the war. You've already lost that battle. It's over already. But again, this all comes down to these examples. Types of informational warfare is included but not limited to command and control of warfare, intelligence-based warfare, you know, like hacking, cyber attacks, electronic warfare, psychological warfare, you know, like what happens in the meetings where you lie, you deceive, you manipulate, economic information warfare, manipulating of currencies, manipulation of assets, hacking. Cyber warfare, data security, leaking, false leaks, deep fakes, all these things, everything is tied in. Also, this could apply to, look, they have examples on the screen right here, disinformation, propaganda, public opinion. It's very interesting because when you look at it, this isn't just from that country, it could be from other countries that are allied. It could also happen with proxy wars, which was a big thing in World War I, was the funneling of proxy wars, the funding of other countries' wars, which we'll get into here in a second. But you know, all these things are tied in. And this is why I'm telling you, let's look at the let's look at the modern world right now. Before we get into World War I, let's look at what's happening right now. The Gaza War. Both sides are being funded. Now, I side with Israel. I will not for a second sympathize with the Hamas murderers because they're backed by Iran. In case you didn't know that, they're backed by Iran. The, the regime, the Mullah regime in Iran, which, uh, if you have been under Iraq, they hate America, they hate the West, they hate Christians, they hate Jews. They're the ones who fund, spend billions of dollars in funding Hamas, they fund Hezbollah, they fund these organizations that thrive on um, jihad, the pushing of religious fanaticism. But then, let's look at, so Gaza is an example. Let's go to Ukraine. Ukraine, in my opinion, is a proxy war between NATO and Russia. And by extension, Russia's newfound ally, China. Which, if you don't know world history, China and Russia are not historically allies. Historically, the United States has had a very strong relationship with Russia. Now, I know all of you Cold War people are going to say, well, that's not true. There was a Cold War. Uh, World War I, Russia was on our team before the revolution happened. Second, in World War II, they were originally neutral towards us. But then when Hitler double-crossed Stalin, they then joined our team. And you add to the fact that FDR bribed them and gave them a lot of stuff. We'll, we'll, that's a whole other show topic in and of itself. But again, we have a natural ally in Russia. Now, you wouldn't know that listening to the the military-industrial complex, the government media complex. They want you to hate Russia. They make a lot of money off of hating Russia. In fact, we're, later on in the show, I'm going to show you why, the, in my estimation, the congressman... Sorry if you heard that. Uh, in my estimation, the congressman and people in government, they double their fortunes or triple their fortunes in while in office 
You ever wonder why that happens when you can look up their salaries on the right online it pops up? Oh, we're going to get into that. We're going to look at how the stock price of Lockheed Martin, when you know how it kind of goes like, it kind of looks like a, a heartbeat normally, where it goes a little up, a little down, a little up, a little down. That's the stock market, right? Well, we're going to look at the massive pits to peaks of the Lockheed Martin stock and how it compares with the um, actions taken by the U.S. military that are often go through Congress and the executive branch of government. Oh, yeah, we're going to really let you know all that. So without further delay, we're going to fair use a video. We're going to fair use How Did World War Start by the Infographics Show. Shout out to them. Fair use about how World War One happened. And we're going to jump and we're going to compare this with then versus now and see if you can see the parallels. Let's get in. Here we go. It was called the war to end all wars. Unfortunately, World War I didn't deliver on that promise. It was, however, the first time in the history of planet Earth that nations from around the world fought in a single war. It started with an assassination and a series of questionable decisions. We can point fingers and play the blame game, but really there is no single person or country that holds all of the responsibility. Could the war that killed millions have been prevented? Most definitely. Let's take a look at what caused the Great War, explore how it could have been prevented, and learn how to not repeat the mistakes of the past. World War One. Last okay, I want to pause it right there because I want to make one point before we start. Again, look at the screen. World War One, 1914 to 1918. The Bolshevik happened in Russia, 1917, towards the end. Again, it's crazy to think how much the world has changed in 100 years. This was about 100 years ago. Ottoman Empire still existed. The Austria-Hungary, Europe didn't look like it does today. If you look at the last 100 years, we've gone through two world wars in 100 years, and a lot has changed. America has changed a lot. Europe has changed a lot. Russia has made actually somewhat constant, which is kind of crazy to me, despite the fact that it had its whole civil war and everything. Or a, a revolution, technically speaking. China wasn't really relevant until post-World War II Reconstruction, by the way, which, for those of you who know history, hold on, I'll pause it for one second. Uh, Douglas MacArthur, the Pacific commander to the then-President Eisenhower, he warned Eisenhower, he said we needed to bomb the the Chinese dams to prevent them from becoming a world power, at which point he fired MacArthur because he didn't want to start another conflict. He, in other words, kicked the can down the road, was afraid of, of triggering Russia especially by taking on that area. But when you look at the inaction of certain countries... You then add to that the funding from other countries to the sources of conflict, and you have proxy wars that then overflow and become like a an, like it's like it's like a disease where one cell is infected and then jumps for this cell and that cell, and before you know it, the entire tissue has been consumed and riddled with disease. But let's get, let's get back to this video and I'll, let's see how World War One started and who was on what side and why. Lasted from 1914 to 1918 and included countries in Europe, Russia, the United States, and countries in the Middle East. The two main sides of the war were the Central Powers, which consisted of Germany, Austria-Hungary, Italy, the Ottoman Empire, and Bulgaria, who fought against the Allied Powers of France, Britain, Russia, Portugal, and Japan. Later in the war, the United States would also join the... Look at this map. 
Uh, pause. I had to pause for fair use purposes, but I also want to look at this map. Let's look at this map. Germany, Austria-Hungary, Italy, Bulgaria, and then the Ottoman Empire, which is now Turkey. So, again, let's look at this. Japan and Russia were against us in World War II. Japan has changed a lot as well, by the way. Japan is actually not our natural enemy, as much as you would like to say they are. I don't believe they are. The problem is, there's just a lot of money involved, and they... They kind of have the same problems as the United States, in my estimation, what they modernized very, very quickly. They went from being very isolated to very involved, and very technologically advanced in a very short period of time. You ever seen... I know this is a fictional piece, but you look at The Last Samurai, it's a movie... You want to see how much Japan has changed and modernized within the last, like, century? You look at that movie and get back to me. It's very... I'm not saying it's all historically accurate, but it goes to show how much culture shock has happened in Japan and why, to an extent, I understand they don't always like foreigners. I find it interesting. But again, look at this map. We have Britain, France, Spain, United States, which was still... which still holds relative relevance today i think actually portugal portugal has not really been relevant since world war one which i find funny but look it, this is a very similar map to what we saw in world war ii except russia wasn't what it was it became the soviet union and then japan joined because they were afraid of the united states and china wasn't relevant yet the side of the allies but what happened why did all of these nations get involved in one of the most disastrous wars in history Let's explore the mechanisms and missteps that led to the First World War. Although there were many players in World War I, the conflict started with Serbia and Austria-Hungary. The Serbian government was eager to claim more territory for the nation. Serbia was already in a state of aggression due to the Balkan Wars that just ended a year before the start of World War I. After the Balkan War, Serbian nationalists wanted to liberate the South Slavs of Austria-Hungary, thus unifying the Slavic peoples under one nation. The extreme nationalism led to the assassination of the Archduke Franz Ferdinand, who was heir to the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Pause. Okay. You know what's interesting is a lot of people today, not just by not just people, but politicians too, they fear nationalism because na they think that nationalism equals either A, Nazism, or B, they fear it because they think it means inherent imperialism. which. Look at World War I and World War II, they blame nationalism, when in fact, just like every other political ideology, if taken too far, it can become exactly what it sought to destroy. For example, let's take communism. Let's take communism. Communism is meant to be, everybody's supposed to be equal. You're supposed to share the wealth. You're supposed to prevent personal greed from taking over and consuming the common man. But then when you look at how communism plays out, communism basically takes, it gives everybody equal of nothing and gives the top of the pyramid everything and access and control to all avenues. And then the government replaces God. They take out greed from the merchants and they put it into the minds of the people uh, in power in government. So then it defeats the entire purpose because then people have less than they had before 
when people talk about redistributing wealth, they think that we'll have equally a lot, when in fact it becomes equally pretty much nothing. But then let's go to nationalism. Nationalism is supposed to be, I love my country, I love my, the people, I love my community, and I want to protect that. When you take that too far, it becomes, not only do I like it, but other people's view is inferior, and I'm going to insert myself onto them. Now, to an extent, this is just Darwinism in action. Natural selection, might is right kind of mentality, right? But let's go back to this. This is what kind of caused World War One. This is what caused World War Two when it comes to the Nazis. Even though the Nazis were not right-wingers, they were left-wingers, they were socialists. But I won't go into the whole that. We're missing the forest for the trees here. But look at what's happening in the world today. We have people in Ru We have the leadership in Russia who are more old guard, we, who are more nationalistic, supposedly. And then we have the people in China. They're more communistic. With, they're wanting to export their ideology. They're wanting to establish control. Whereas we have people in, in the West who are still paralyzed from the horror of the Hitler era. So now they're very paralyzed and they're afraid to assert themselves because they don't want to become that which they sought to destroy. They have mistrewed defense and offense, in my estimation. But let's keep going with the World War Two, with World War One, and let's look at the comparisons. At 11:15 a.m. on June 28, 1914, Franz Ferdinand and his wife Sophie, Duchess of Hohenberg, were shot to death in Sarajevo, Bosnia, by Gavrilo Princip. Princip was a Serbian extremist who had connections to a secret society called the Black Hand. The assassination was the match that ignited the First World War. However, there were many other factors that led to the powder keg that would explode. Should the assassination of Franz Ferdinand have led to an all-out war? Probably not. There's more to the story here. In the I just want to hold on. I know I pause a lot, but I want to make another point. When you realize that World War I really started because of an act of terrorism, it makes you really wonder, wait a minute. So an act of terrorism caused an entire world war. But what would you call the attack against Israel by Hamas? The most egregious attack against Jews since the Holocaust. Huge terrorist event. And when you look at Iran, who regularly spends billions of dollars in funding terrorism, why does no one do anything about that? Why do you think nobody does anything about that? Why do you think we don't do anything about North Korea? Why, why do you think none of these things actually happen? Why is there no action taken? When you look at how terrorism plays out today, terrorism is nothing really new. It's more and more apparent because we have more access to information. But even back in 100 years ago, terrorism started an entire world war. Terrorism now is arguably started in another world war and we're, it's, in an, it's in its infancy and it's eating and becoming bigger and stronger every day because the proxy wars are overflowing. Let's get back to this. The shadows lurked Kaiser Wilhelm II, who may as well be much to blame as Gavrilo Princip in starting World War I. Wilhelm II was the leader of Germany and he was diabolical. Kaiser Wilhelm II wanted a strong Germany that dominated Europe both economically and militarily in strength. He did not want Russia or Great Britain to have more influence and power than he did. Therefore, Wilhelm II allied himself and Germany with Austria-Hungary. He knew that if Austria-Hungary went to war with Serbia, then Russia would come to Serbia's aid. This would drag Russia's ally France into the conflict. We'll examine later why Wilhelm wanted this war to happen so badly. 
Kaiser Wilhelm II secretly funded Austria-Hungary in their endeavor to suppress Serbia. He allowed Germany to give Austria-Hungary a carte blanche or blank check. Basically, Germany would fund the war effort using their wealthy economy to ensure Austria-Hungary came out on top. Exactly. See, this is what I'm talking about with the proxy wars. Again, this is what I mean when I say that, for example, Ukraine isn't a perfect example. How much money do you think the United States has been giving to Ukraine? How much money and how much supplies has NATO in general been giving to them? A lot. Because they don't want to go into an actual war with Russia, they're doing exactly what Germany did in World War I, which is fund another war to try to beat down their adversaries using somebody else's manpower. Almost treating an entire nation state as a mercenary as a mercenary state. In other words, they treated them as cannon fodder. They gave them the weapons and they supplied the men. That's what the United States does all the time, by the way, in case you don't know. It's happening in the Congo, it's happening in Ukraine. It happened I mean, it's not a new thing, which is part of the reason why the U Middle East despises the West. I'm not saying they're justified in doing that. I'm telling you this is a reason why. And this is nothing new. This has been repeated constantly ever since this happened over 100 years ago. But this is why I tell you, when it comes to World War III, we're already in it. We were already doing exactly what Germany did in World War I, which is funding the war of other countries. Answer, what are we doing in Ukraine? What are we doing in Israel? Now, you could argue that we're doing that all because we stand with them. We stand with this and we stand with that. What? I don't believe that. I would like to believe that, but the very fact that I want to believe that tells me that it's probably not true. Probably not true. It, it's, it's what we like to call business as usual. It's just business as usual. This is business business. Numbers. Is this working? Yes. Yay! It's all business, man. They would rather have someone else fight than have us fight, which, personally, I'm totally fine with. But again, you need to understand there are ramifications to this. There are overflowing elements here. This doesn't happen in a vacuum. And sometimes, once you start a fire, it's very hard to put it out. You know, this, this video is like 12 minutes long. We're only three minutes in. I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll show you exactly what I'm talking about. Look here. I'll show you this. I'll show you this video right here. This is why. This is how this applies to the modern day. I'm gonna skip ahead a little bit. Let's go to this. President Biden announcing Sunday morning that Iranian-backed militant groups killed three American service members and wounded at least two dozen others in an unmanned aerial drone attack in Jordan near the Syrian border. The president says the U.S. is still gathering the facts surrounding the wholly unjust attack. He praised the service members for being unwavering in their bravery, calling them patriots in the highest sense. Pausing it for a second. Number one, this happened not that long ago, okay? Secondly, you know, just on a total... I, I'm going to remove politics for a second, and I'm going to say... If you were an enemy of the United States, would you be afraid of this old, frail man? Now, I'm not saying that Trump doesn't also kind of look on the older side. What I'm saying is appearances matter. Appearances matter, and this is not intimidating at all. It's not. Let's contrast this with Eisenhower, 
the general of the European theater at the end of World War II. He had a presence to him. Joe Biden does not have a presence to him. He's not fear. People feared Trump. Now, I'm not agreeing with everything Trump did. What I'm saying is people feared Trump because they knew he was a strong leader. Does that mean he was always right? Again, you're, you're missing the point. The point is not whether he was, did everything right. The question is, did he actually prevent and deter a lot of what we're seeing today because he had this presence about him? The strike marked the first line of fire deaths of U.S. troops since the start of Israel's war against Hamas in Gaza, which was sparked by Hamas's terrorist attack against Israel on October 7th. Since the war began, U.S. troops in Iraq and Syria have faced drone and missile attacks against their bases. But this latest attack marks the first one targeting American troops in Jordan. Before the strike, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff C.Q. Brown spoke exclusively to ABC's Martha Raddatz about the U.S. response in the region. Pause again for a second before the Joint, before the joint Chiefs gives his response. You know what's extremely sad? You know, I, I don't even care about the Democrat-Republican side of this. We need someone in the White House that actually looks like they have a backbone. And not just like, I saw the servicemen died and it's very tragic and I'm very sad and, and we will do something. I'm Joe Biden and, and I approve this message. What kind of, what kind of presence is that? How do you not say, you know what, we're going to find who did this, and we're going to make them pay, we're going to make whoever funded them pay, everybody in here can catch wreck. Where is the response? Where's the masculine? Where are the men of America? Where is the response of, we're going to find who did this, and we're going to make them pay? Where is that? Not just, uh, we're going we're gonna to look into this, and uh, we're going to respond because this is not okay, and... Uh, uh, and, and, and the people who bit the ball, they're very brave. Like, how is the, what, how am I supposed to be intimidated by this? Where is the masculinity response? Like, whatever. Let's go to the Joint Chiefs. Well, part of our work here is uh, to make sure as we, uh, uh, as things have happened in the Middle East, is not to have the conflict broaden. Mm. And so, uh, as I provide advice and we think about the uh, approach we take, we want to ensure that we uh, take away capability while we protect our forces, at the same time, not have this brought in, into, a, uh, into a, a much wider conflict. Meanwhile, CIA Director William Burns is in France discussing a possible ceasefire deal between Israel and Hamas. Two senior Biden administration officials oh. have said U.S. negotiators were making progress on a potential agreement under which Israel would pause military operations for two months in exchange for the release of more than 100 hostages still being held in Gaza. In a statement, the Israeli Prime Minister's office saying the meeting was constructive, but also that significant gaps remain. Matt Gutman, ABC News, Tel Aviv, Israel. All right. Okay. Thank you very much. You know what I find very kind of disgusting? Where is the masculine response? Like, look, I get the Joint Chiefs. He has a tough job. I totally understand that. And I respect the man, but here's the problem. Okay. Do people not, people don't fear America anymore. People don't fear messing with us. There was a time when people wouldn't dare hurt service members. There was a time when nobody would mess with America because they knew that if they did, they 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 find a uh, they find someone breaking in their door or or a 
something going boom in their backyard. They, they would realize that if you mess with the United States, you paid for it. And now it seems the only people who are getting paid are the people in politics who seem to be making a bag off of this Lockheed Martin star, stock in my estimation. Let's look at the let's look at the data, shall we? I present to you, ladies and gentlemen of the Sheep Get Sheared podcast, the following. So what you're seeing is this graph. This is the past five years of the Lockheed Martin Corporation stock. Huge government contractor. Okay. Now, I would like to show you, let's go to one year. I'll, I'll get my point across. You see these dips, these huge changes in the stocks of the of this of these company of this company in particular. Look at this, November, I mean sorry, October of 2023. You see this big jump in stock? What happened on uh, Here's a little pop quiz for you. What happened on October 11th of last year? I'll wait. Oh, that's right, the Israel attack. Well, let's look at this. On October 5th of last year, the stock was at about, the what it says, $397. Well, let's say, for example, you sat on the Intelligence Committee in Congress. Or maybe you were in the executive branch and you had some inside intel. And uh, you invested in this Lockheed Martin stock knowing that this might have been on the horizon. Well, let's see. About how many? Four days later. So let's look. Let's go back. Well, October 5th, the stock is at $397.35. October 9th, the stock goes to $436.50. Three cents. What? Oh yeah, you heard me. You heard me. In four days, the stock went up about forty dollars in four days. Is that a coincidence? Maybe. I don't think so. No, I'm not saying everybody's insider trading. I'm not saying that anybody's committing a crime necessarily. What I am saying is, I find it very interesting that right before this crisis happens, the stock price is going down, and then all of a sudden, buy everybody's buying up. I can guarantee you, the people who were first in to buy that stock had inside information. I can guarantee you. You don't believe me? Okay, let's go to the past five years. Let's look at this instead. Look. Hmm... March of 2020. Oh, right before the drone strikes in Iraq. Stock's at $291. Let's see. Uh, how many days later? Uh, two weeks later, the stock price is up uh, 60 bucks. Uh, 10 days later, it's up an additional $50. So let's say you're down here. In about a month... The price went up, or uh, let's see, how many print, went up a hundred dollars. You really you want me to think that Congress, anybody, any representatives in Congress, or their staff members, or anybody in the executive branch didn't buy in, knowing that this was going to happen, considering they're the ones who ordered the strike? Yeah, I'm not convinced. Let's go here to uh, twenty-one. Here, you don't believe me? Let's look at this. 
Hamas war, October 7th. But let's go back to my information. October 7th, the price is 403. October 7th, let's go back to the one year. October 7th of last year, look, $400 jumps up. 435 jumps up $35. Again, I'm not saying that all these people are in the government. What I am saying is this would explain how their net worths just so happen to jump up. You add that, you add the fact that their spouses get government contracts, you add to the fact that their um their nephews and nieces and everything else get government contracts and hookups and whatnot. Allegedly, I have to say that in case the government wants to sue me. Again, this is what I'm talking about. You want to know how the government makes all this money while in office? It's not from their salary. It's from these kind of inside investments in my estimation. So then when you look into the, let's go back. Let's go back to the economic warfare, the informational warfare. You, you really don't want, you want me to think that these are not all tied in? Let's go here. Uh, Ukraine conflict, well, we, obviously, like I said, it started back in 2014. Oh, let's go to 2022. February 24th, 2022 is when this started happening. Okay, let's go back to the stock price. February 24th, 2022. Let's find it, shall we? Let's look, let's look, let's look. Aha! So February 4th, they said 24th, right? Yeah. So February 24th, right? So 24th. Right before the price is at about 400. Then we go up to March 4th. So in between the start, so right before, right before the Ukraine war, February 18th, the price is down to $386. Right afterwards, over $100, about a, almost $100. It goes up $80. In a very short period of time. Again, do you really think this is an accident? You really want me to think this is an accident, huh? It's just all a coincidence, huh? Business as usual. Are you talking to me? I love the poorly educated. I, I cannot No, I refuse to believe that. It's just not true. It's not possible that all... I've shown you multiple examples. Multiple examples, but yet people want to still buck. This is all tied in. This is all tied in, my friends. And again, this is why I tell you we are already in the beginning stages of World War III. Because the money is involved. Proxy wars are already started. And now all we're waiting for is the powder keg. Hopefully, it's not a repeat of World War I where there's a terrorist event again that happens that causes all this. But... We're throwing money. That's why our inflation is so bad. Part of that, you really think that they spend all that money on government spending just to help people around the world? No. Who do you think gets that money? Government contractors. So if you have money in these government contractors and then have the ability to give them a government contract to build more weapons, don't you think they're going to earn money off that? Yes. Yes, they will which is exactly why Eisenhower warned about 
the military-industrial complex. This is the worst kind of discrimination. The kind against me. I mean, arrest my case. Uh, if any of you have any comments, questions, concerns, criticism, hatred, love, I don't care. Please leave your thoughts in the comment section. I'd love to hear about it. In the meantime, I invite you to decide for yourself whether I'm making it up. You see the correlation? You think we're in the you think we're in the beginning stages, the infancy stage of the war? You think I'm making it up? I welcome all of it. Go ahead, make my day. My tw my Twitter DMs are wide open. At Sheep Get Sheared, hit me up on X. Let me know what you think. My friends, in the meantime, stay vigilant, stay informed. I encourage you to question everything that comes your way and make up your own mind and i look forward to seeing what you decide to believe i'm out of here enjoy your day peace